Hello, and welcome to Hope Fellowship. We are so excited you're here. If you're new to Hope, we would love to get to know you by having you fill out a digital connect card. You can access this in the Hope Fellowship app and at hopefellowship.net slash connect card. As we continue in our worship through giving today, we want to encourage you to pray and consider what God may be asking you to give. Our goal as Christ followers is always to bring our first and our best to God. With so many things in life that could dominate our attention and focus, giving helps us keep Jesus at the center. If you'd like to give through hope and support what God is doing in our community and around the world, you can text any amount to 84321. Head over to hopefellowship.net slash give or drop your gift in the drop boxes at one of our campuses. You can also set up recurring giving for your convenience. The back to school season is upon us and we'll be here before we know it. It's not too late to join us for the Project Serve Back to School Shoe Drive. We are currently partnering with Cornerstone North Texas to collect shoes for children in need in our area. Together, we are helping these kids kick off their new school year with confidence. To participate, you can visit hopefellowship.net slash project serve and purchase a pair of shoes from our Amazon wish list. They will be shipped directly to Cornerstone. You can also grab a donation card from your campus and shop on your own. If you choose to go this route, please make sure to drop off the shoes to your campus no later than next Sunday, July 17th. Another opportunity for you to serve with us this summer is by joining us on a serve trip. We are heading to the indigenous mountains of Southern Mexico next month on August 21st through 26th. We will be helping to construct a church building for the local congregation there. Our team will take on various home projects followed by a dedication service at the end of the week. If this sounds like an opportunity you'd like to be a part of, you can head over to hopefellowship.net slash serve to learn more and sign up today. Thanks for joining us this weekend. To learn more about ways to get involved and serve here at Hope, go to the Hope Fellowship app or go to hopefellowship.net. Have a great week. what you do, it's important to answer the question, who is Jesus? What does the Bible say about him? Well, hello, you guys. Welcome to Hope Fellowship. If we haven't met, my name is Mary Solis. I'm the online campus pastor. I'm so glad that you're joining us today. And maybe you normally go to Frisco West, maybe Frisco East, McKinney Prosper. We have uh, four different physical locations, but you're traveling for vacation maybe, or you got sick kiddos at home. I hope not, but hey, maybe that's why you're at home watching today. So glad that you're tuning in. Give your campus like some love in the chat, please. Like shout out to your campus. We are one church with many locations. And um, by many, I mean like very many, because we don't only have like four physical locations. We have people in our online campus from Louisiana, Hawaii, Arkansas, New York, Pennsylvania, all over the country. People are connected to hope and following God's purpose for their life. So it's so cool that we get to come together. We get to do this and we are smack dab in the middle of our summer series on the book of Hebrews, which is so exciting. I love the book of Hebrews. 
Y'all, I can't even explain how difficult it was to narrow down and only talk about this one thing in Hebrews because there is so much depth. It is such a rich book, so I'm so excited to jump into it. If it's your first time, before we get too into it, I am not the lead pastor. I am very grateful that I'm not. We have an incredible lead pastor, John McKenzie. Um, Great teacher, great person, loves God. He will be continuing this series. He started this series weeks and weeks ago, and so he'll be back next week. So if it is your first time, hey, come back next week, hear John, hear the continuation of this series. But we started a while back, and I'm going to give you a little recap, just so that you're totally up to speed with where we're going today, especially since we're in the middle of a book, like a letter. So if we're in the middle of the letter, it's important to know what came like before. So let's go back in time, let's rewind all the way back, and we're going to give you what we've talked about so far. So the first two weeks of this series, and I'll try and go quick here and know this, you can find all of our messages on YouTube and Spotify. So, hey, if you're like, hey, that's interesting, I want to know more, what does she mean by that for these, this recap piece, go back and watch these other messages through this summer series. You can get all caught up, but I'm going to give just like a really quick overview. Okay, so the first two weeks we talked about how to Bible. Very important. If we're going to read the Bible, we should probably know how to read it and how to apply it to our lives. And so that's what we did in the first two weeks, how to Bible part one, part two. Then we jumped right into the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews part one, Um, John taught on how Jesus is better. This is all from chapters one through four. At this point, we hope if you're going along with us, you've read chapters one through six, but this first week we went one through four and he talked about how Jesus is better. He is better because he is our sacrifice. He is our rest. He is greater than Moses. He empathizes, that word's hard, empathizes with us. He is good. So he is all of these things. So we talked about how Jesus is better. He's our victor. He's our savior. He's all of these things, right? And so after that, next week, which was last week, we talked about maturity in our faith. This really hit home, I feel like, with a lot of you guys. But the writer of Hebrews is talking to these Jewish believers in this letter, and he's basically saying, like, let's go on to maturity. Let's grow up in our faith. And here's how. You can do that through um, suffering, fun stuff. We got to talk about suffering last week. But we grow in maturity through suffering through teaching others, and through solid spiritual food. So that's a very quick, very like surface level recap of the last two weeks in Hebrews and how far we've come. But why? Like why in the world (laughs) is he saying this stuff? Because it's not like he's just like, hey, here's some thoughts. Here's some facts about Jesus for you. Here's some facts about growing in your faith. No, there was a reason There was an actual reason he did this. And he was talking, this writer of Hebrews is talking to this group of Jewish believers. So when I say Jewish believers, I'm talking about Jewish people that grew up in the Jewish faith with a Jewish tradition. And they, since Jesus has arrived on the scene, died, resurrected, they are followers of Jesus. So they're Jewish Christians. So this is who he's talking to. And they are facing things that I might never ever in my life understand or comprehend. They are facing persecution in a way that is so heavy. They're suffering. They're going through hardship. They're going through difficulty. Have you ever been in like a season like that where you're going through something and you just hit a wall because things just get really difficult and really hard. 
and you're tempted to just turn tail and run? Have you ever gone through a situation in your life where it was just too difficult and you, it took everything in you to fight the temptation to go back to what was familiar, maybe what was comfortable, maybe what you knew? And this is where we find these Jewish believers is they're here and they are tempted to go back to the old way to the purely Jewish way of doing things. If I had to sum this up, and I am about to sing to you, so get ready for this, you guys. But if I had to sum it up, it would be in the words of Bon Jovi. Don't stop believing. You know, you know the song. Hold on to that feeling. Yeah, not that part, but the don't stop believing part, right? Don't stop believing. This is what the writer is telling them. Hey, in the middle of persecution, in the middle of difficulties, in the middle of a circumstance where you want to run, where you want to go back to the way things used to be, the easier route, the thing you know, he's saying, don't stop believing. Don't stop believing in Jesus. And here is how, and here is why. And so this letter, it is more than an encouragement to hold on to your faith, It is more than an encouragement to not give up. It is for you and me and was for them a lifeline. It was a lifeline to hold on to that faith when we want to turn and run the opposite direction. And we have to continue to move forward. That's a book I hold on to. That is a letter I read continuously because I want to hold on to this faith. I want to keep moving forward. This past weekend was 4th of July weekend. And 4th of July, we come together, the tradition, the American patriotism, we come together and we celebrate. And gosh, more than ever, it feels like our nation is just torn, right? That to celebrate 4th of July, you know, maybe there's some people on one side and, and they're just angry and they're disappointed maybe to the point of sometimes maybe archaic. And then there's this other side, this national pride, this excitement, I'm American, and this feeling of, like, I call it like Toby Keith pride, you know, like proud to be, I'm singing a lot, you're welcome. Proud to be an American, right? To the point maybe of a little bit of arrogance. So there's this torn feeling, this, this American patriotism, this American tradition, and all of this tradition is sometimes confusing for us, right? That what is this American tradition? And even here in our world, we are a melting pot of cultures, backgrounds, upbringings, stories, and histories. And so tradition, that's sometimes lost on us, right? This idea of rich cultural tradition. We sometimes have trouble putting our finger on it. But this audience, these Jewish believers knew it well. Tradition was not something that had to be explained to them. They understood this is such a rich tradition that they have inherited, this story that has been passed down. The traditions of these Jewish people, they were preserved through story. And so it's so important for us to step into that story, to understand the heritage and the tradition that they knew and they held in high esteem and cherished. And so what we're going to do today is we are going to go back, and I have the honor and privilege to go all the way back and tell this story. And we're going to go way, way, way back. We're going to rewind to the garden. Here we are at the garden, Genesis 1. Now, it's not just like the beginning of the book. It's the beginning of people. (laughs) This is the beginning of the humanity. And God has created Adam and Eve in his image. 
They are in every way like him, the image of God. They are perfect, holy, righteous, all is well, right? And you know, and we know that that doesn't usually last with human beings. Am I right? Like this good like thing going on where we're being good and obedient and righteous doesn't last long. And pretty quickly, as quickly as chapter two, Genesis two, Eve disobeys God, is tempted by the enemy, and sin enters the world. And Adam and Eve are now imperfect, unholy, not righteous. They've done wrong. And with that, with that sin, there's consequence. There's consequence. And they no longer, this is a tragedy, you guys. This is the beginning of the tragedy that we are now separated so far separated from this holy, perfect, good, true, righteous God. And we can no longer coexist in that space because we are imperfect, because we have sin. And so we're cast out of the garden. And in Genesis 3, there's this, what's called a curse, which sounds really spooky, right? (laughs) A curse, but it was really the consequence of the sin. So now that they've been removed from God, they are no longer uh, able to be with, in communion, in relationship with God. And so now that that's there, they have consequences. And now everyone born after is going to, to suffer these same consequences. They are inheriting sin. And now we're stuck in a sin cycle where we sin and we can't get to God, but God is always in the business of restoring our relationship to him. And that is what he does and he starts doing it immediately. So there's this cycle. We sin, there needs to be a payment or a covering of that sin so that we can be in relationship and restore to God. So brief overview, sin, sacrifice or payment, restoration. Sin, sacrifice, or payment, restoration. This is the pattern. This is the way in which God has put things in place so that we can come to him, so that we can have communion with him. This is what matters to God, that we can have communion with him. And so this is where we find ourselves. And so we are gonna fast forward and we're skipping some really fun stuff, but we are gonna fast forward all the way to Mount Sinai. Here's Moses. He is our guy. I love Moses. Such a big fan of Moses. But Moses has brought the Israelites out of captivity. So they were under Egypt in captivity. He brought them out of that slavery. They're wandering around in the desert. They are not believing in God. They want to go back to what they know. Sound familiar? Tempted to return to what they know. They're not believing in God. And here they are. And Moses is on the mountain with God. So Kind of a big deal, really big deal in the Jewish faith. So he's on the mountain and he's receiving instruction. Here's what I want you to do. And he's telling them what to do to be right, the righteous way to live. That's the 10 commandments, love God, love your neighbor and all the rest. So he's saying, here's what you wanna do. But in the same breath, and maybe your parents parents in here, you kind of know what I'm talking about. In the same breath, he's like, I know you're not gonna do it though. (laughs) He's like, I know that you cannot live up to this because like Eve, we are now bent toward sin and we are stuck in a sin cycle where we just can't make ourselves right. So although we're gonna try and do these things, he knows, God knows that we won't successfully do it. 
So he puts a system in place. So I'm going to go briefly over this system because it is amazing when we're about to get to Hebrews. And we will get there soon. So we are going to show you the tabernacle. This is the tabernacle here. Okay. This is so exciting. Okay. So this is where God's presence would dwell among the Israelite people. Like this is the first system set in place so that God could be with and near people. So good news, God is near. Bad news, we don't have access to him. Only one person had access and it was in this little bitty spot right here. So right here is like a curtain, if you can see it. And behind it is the Ark of Covenant. That's where God's presence dwelt. That is where his presence lived. And it was kind of considered like his throne. And that's where the Ten Commandments were. And that is also an altar. And so there was only one person and it wasn't you and me, and there was only one person, and it was the priest. And he was the only person that could go in to the most holy of holy places. And he couldn't just go in. He could only go in on Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, one day a year, where he would go in there after doing a list of ritualistic duties to make himself right. So conjuring up all this stuff to make himself presentable and acceptable so that he could go into God's presence offer a sacrifice for himself, his own sins, and the sins of the people. So he was the priest, and the priest was the mediator. That's basically a more simple way of saying that priests act as this bridge, this mediator between sinful you and I, the you and I that makes mistakes, the you and I that does wrong, the you and I that sins, and he bridges us and mediates between us and a perfect, holy, righteous, good God. So very important person, right? And this person, the first person to do this was Aaron. So Moses and Aaron, we were talking about, they're the ones that brought people out of Egypt. Them two together, Aaron was like set aside as the first Levitical priest. So he's the tribe of Levi, first Levitical priest. Now he would do that and then eventually he would die and his son would do it. So there was only like a lineage that could do that. So isn't that like crazy? Like this is, this is like mind blowing stuff here for me. And so this is how things worked. This is the system that our, um, these Jewish believers inherited. They inherited a system like this. And up until the time of Jesus, something similar to this existed in the temple. And there was this most holy of holy place, and they'd have to do all these things to get into the place, to be in God's presence, to make everyone right, to pay, to pay for everyone's sin so that they could have relationship with God. Okay, we did it. We did it. That, that's all I'm going to say about the history of Israel right in this moment right now. And I have so much more I want to say about Abraham and all these things. But we will stop right there. And we are going to fast forward again. Here we go. Fast forward noise. All the way to the epistle of the Hebrews. So here we are. Jesus has happened. And here we are with this group of believers who want to go back to that old system, that way that we just talked about where they would offer sacrifice and the priests would go in and mediate and, and do, pay this price so that the sins would be covered and then do it again and then do it again and then do it again. And what the writer is telling them, y'all, this is amazing. What the writer is saying to them to encourage them to not give up is he's saying the priesthood of Jesus, the priesthood of Jesus is so much better. It is superior to the Levitical priesthood. That's offensive. That is like, y'all, if at these Jewish readers, they're thinking, what? 
This is the way in which for so long we lived and had connection and communion with God. This was the way we were made right so that we could have access to him. This is all we know. And he's saying, no, Jesus is the superior priest. Jesus is the one. And so in chapter seven, he's like unpacking this huge argument of why it is so superior. So this is the Levitical priesthood right here. So we've got these points and you can go to these references, but this is the point he's making is once it's replaceable and temporary. So this priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, the one I just talked about, this was temporary. This, this, this Aaron, he died. And then the next guy came and then he died. And the next guy came and he died. And so there was this continuous, like um, it, it wasn't eternal. Like this wasn't something that was going to last forever. It was, it was replaceable. There was an annual renewal. You guys know Amazon comes out once a year. <laughs> Every year that Amazon price comes out and I'm like, oh, I don't want that to come out. But yes, I do. I need it. It's worth it. But there was this continuous annual renewal. This is what the priest did on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. He would go in annually. He would go in once a year and sacrifice for his sins and the sins of everyone else. And here's the deal. It never made anyone perfect. It never got the job done. It never made us right. We continued to sin and to do wrong and to make mistakes and to disobey. It never fixed the sin problem for us. And we continued over and over and over again. And so he's saying, set it aside. It's weak and useless, big deal. Very harsh statement. It is weak and useless. Set it aside. There is a better priesthood. There is such a better priesthood and it's the priesthood of Jesus. And this is the priesthood of Jesus. It's irreplaceable. It is indestructible. And it, this is, this is y'all, this is it. It is a one-time payment. That's unheard of today, right? Because everything in, in a time of subscriptions and monthly payments that automatically come out, one-time payment? Yes, please. If I can make one payment and be done, that is so much better than an annual payment. And this priesthood, there was a one-time payment, once and for all. And this payment, it did the job. It made us perfect. It covered our sin. It atoned. It paid the price for us. So it did the job. And that is why it is the new covenant, this new relationship we have with God. And it is so much better. Do you feel it building? Do you feel that building up where you're thinking, oh my gosh, like imagine how these Jewish believers felt. Oh my gosh, this Jesus, why would I ever want to go back? Why would I ever want to go back to this other way of living, this old comfortable way? I would never do that in light of this priesthood. And they didn't have a lot in common, but they did have one thing for sure in common. And it's that they required a sacrifice. And for all sin, there is a payment due. There is a sacrifice to be made, a perfect, holy, blameless sacrifice. And this is like the crescendo, you guys. This is that building up moment where he's saying to them, Jesus is your sacrifice. Jesus didn't offer sacrifices. He didn't have to. He didn't have sin. He was holy and blameless. It's amazing. 
He became the sacrifice. He actually became the sacrifice for us. Before the priests would take goats and bulls and sacrifice animals, but he's saying, take me. What kind of love is this? What kind of savior is this? And it says in Hebrews, it says, for Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands which was only a copy of the true one of heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. So him and his holiness is appearing to God on our behalf, a holy God. He can, he's holy, so he can do that on our behalf. And he didn't enter into heaven to offer himself again and again, the cyclical over and over and over again, like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of the animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, y'all, but now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by the death of his own sacrifice. He gave himself, he gave himself up for us. And the brilliance of this story, the brilliance of this plan Because when Jesus showed up on the scene, this priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, was still in place. There was still a high priest that was offering sacrifices on the Day of Atonement every year. And oh, get this, this is crazy. Jesus shows up and he is this new high priest, but he didn't do any of the things they did. He didn't follow any of those, um, have to do those rituals. He wasn't in the line of Aaron, any of that. He was different. He was a different kind of priest. And he... The priest of that day, the priest that was there offering those sacrifices on the Day of Atonement, it was this priest that offered Jesus up and said, crucify him. He didn't know. This priest didn't know, but he was offering up Jesus, the perfect sacrifice on the Day of Atonement to cover up not just the sins of Israel, but the sins of everyone forever, for all time. Big, huge, covered, finished, enough. It's amazing. And when Jesus died on the cross that day, as a sacrifice for us, up there on that cross, he breathed his last breath. And this is what it says in Matthew 27, verse 50 through 51. So he's up there. He's paid the price. He's offered his body. He's giving it up. And this verse 51 says this, at that moment, do y'all remember the temple? Do you remember the curtain and the Holy of Holies where God's spirit dwelled? At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. It was torn from top to bottom. No longer do we not have access. That's the story. That's the encouragement. That's the message is that he is no longer out of our reach. We don't have to do a list of rituals. We don't have to live perfect and be perfect. Jesus is perfect. And when we accept his sacrifice and his payment, we are covered, paid in full, enough. You can, it's all settled, accounts settled. It's done. So when we accept and believe in Jesus, What happens is we become this new temple where God's spirit no longer dwells there. It dwells in us. 
That was a lot, you guys. But wow, it dwells in us. And now we are accepted no longer because of what we do, but what he did and who he is. Hear me. We are accepted not because of what we do, not because we follow a list of rituals, not because we have it all together. And some of you are here right now and it took everything for you to get in the building. Some of you are watching right now and the reason you're not in a building is because you don't measure up. Some of you right now have discounted God because you feel like you haven't done enough to be acceptable to him. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus did it all. And we can come with confidence. We can come with boldness. We can come to God in all of our mess, in all of our struggle, in all of our imperfections. I'm so thankful that I can come to him. I can approach his throne. I have access to him. I'm so, so grateful for that because, not because of what I do, but because of what he did. And this is what the writer is telling these believers. And is that not so encouraging for us? So hold on to your faith. Don't give up. Don't let go. Don't go back to that worthless, faulty system. Maybe it's your old life. Maybe it's those things you used to hold on in. Whatever used to work for you or make you feel good or make you right. No, don't go back to that. Keep moving forward no matter how difficult because he paid the price and he's made a way for you so that you can come to him. As we close, I love this interpretation from Eugene Peterson. And it's going to be this verse. Um, and so the, par- the message is a paraphrase. And this is a paraphrase of Hebrews 10, verses 11 through 14. It is so good. I love it so much. And this is what he says. He says, every priest goes to work at the altar each day, offers the same old sacrifices year in, year out, never makes a dent on the sin problem. As a priest, Christ made a single sacrifice for sins. And that was it. That's so good. That was it. Then he sat down, priest stood, Jesus sat down at the right hand of God, right beside God, and he waited for his enemies to cave in. And this is what I love. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person, Jesus, to perfect some very imperfect people. That's really good news for you today. So if you're tired, if you're weary, if you've been striving, if you've been pulling all this energy together just to keep going, here's your anchor of hope. Jesus, that's it. And because of him, our high priest, we have unrestricted access to God. That's it. So I wanna pray as we close for two people in this room. And maybe you're here, you're watching online or you're home, wherever you're at, you're on vacation. It can happen anywhere where it's time to accept that God sent Jesus to pay the price so that you could know him. It's time to believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. It's time to accept the work that he did. And you maybe even just never truly done that. Said, I believe in Jesus, I accept what he did. 
But maybe you're here and you're like these Jewish believers. You knew Jesus was God. You knew the story, but you're getting tired and you're getting weary. I want to pray for you guys as well as we close that you would continue on in light of this, that Jesus is our high priest and Jesus is better. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for everyone that's listening all across the globe. God, I thank you for those people that they found this and they're like, how am I even watching this? I'm not even a Christian, but today's their day. God, you've been calling them back to you, calling them into relationship with you. And today is their day. God, I thank you that you brought them to hear this message. God, I thank you that you paid the price for them. And I pray right now that as they accept you, you continue to give them strength to persevere and to follow you. And God, I pray for every believer in here right now who is struggling and suffering and facing hardship and trial and difficulty. God, I pray that you would strengthen them. God, as they remember and meditate on this history, this story, this truth of who you are and what you did and you as priest, that it would give them strength to persevere. And we do all of this and we thank you for all of this in your name. Amen.